and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Julia Schieffer, the founder and editor of DerivSource.com. And I'm Emily Fraser-Voigt, DerivSource's deputy editor. Today, we are relaunching our podcast with a new format to go more in depth on the topics that matter most to our listeners. And today's topic is Brexit, and in particular, the prospects of a no-deal Brexit and the impact that might have on the derivatives industry. Yes, that's right. Now MIFID has gone live, people are really starting to turn their attention to what Brexit will mean for them. Firms have obviously been working to put their contingency plans in place, but there's still a lot of uncertainty as to what Britain's withdrawal from the European Union will look like, as negotiations regarding a transition period, euro clearing and market access rights are still ongoing. Now, to find out how firms are preparing for Brexit, despite all of these unknowns, we spoke to Christian Lee, head of Catalyst Consulting's specialist clearing, risk and regulatory team, and also Nadine Giotto, who is their government affairs and regulatory development specialist. Here is Christian talking about what he is seeing in the market. I think as we are now in 2018, we are very much seeing firms' plans being executed now. The assumptions that were being made about possible hard Brexit have indeed manifested across pretty much consistently across most of the, uh, the clients we see. Certainly the major banks and institutions are working on the basis that they need to cater for this, the possibility of being sudden, um, a transition period being fairly minimal. And as a consequence, we are now seeing these plans being executed. It is less than 15 months away now from the March 19 deadline, and there is a lot of activity going on. If you like, the phony war is over, MIFID 2 is out of the way, and the project teams are being mobilised and working very actively in many of our clients and people that we are speaking to. One of the key Brexit contingency plans for banks is to relocate their businesses to mainland Europe. Catalyst assists in the planning, design and execution of migrating a client's global markets business between legal entities as part of a regulatory-driven legal entity restructuring programme. With Brexit, part of that change has been accelerated by the PRA's July requirement for UK institutions to have Brexit contingency plans. Nadine Jatto at Catalyst said that they'd heard that around 40 to 50 banks have discussed Brexit relocation plans with the EU and around 40 to 50 banks have discussed Brexit business relocation plans with UK authorities. What is actually happening is that banks have made comprehensive applications that be turned into formal ones very quickly. And that is the rhetoric that we're seeing from clients. It seems to be as fast as you can, but as late as possible, given the uncertainty around equivalents and possible transitional arrangements. And of course, even if firms do choose to relocate, there's still uncertainty as to how much of the business needs to be physically located within the EU. Here is Christian Lee again. I mean, I think part of the issue is that the extent of the relocation that needs to take place, and that is up for negotiation depending on the institution. So for example, you know, how much of some of the support activity can still be retained for the sake of argument in in the UK. But we very much get the message from foreign regulators that they don't want just a token presence in a local uh, environment. It needs to be a meaningful business. 
but it is yeah, the extent of, of that, which is currently being dealt with, negotiated, and yeah, plans are made for the different scenarios, uh, depending on the outcome of those negotiations. Now, one of the most contentious issues when it comes to Brexit is what happens to CCP clearing and whether Euro clearing will need to happen on mainland Europe. The European Commission proposed last June to allow the European Central Bank and ESMA the freedom to force foreign clearinghouses that were substantially systemically important to relocate to the EU bloc or face exclusion. This would exclusively impact the London Stock Exchange-owned LCH, which currently clears most euro-denominated derivatives. However, a recent report by the leading EU lawmaker Danuta Hubner, a chair of the Constitutional Committee of the European Parliament, sought to temper the recommendation by introducing strict guidelines for regulators to use when determining whether euro clearing should be moved. Here's Christian Lee and Nadine Jado discussing the Brexit impact on clearing. We remain of the view that there is no reason why LCH, for example, cannot continue to provide that euro clearing. And there, there is no reason why there can't be the regulatory safeguards to ensure that, that continues. However, you know, the debate has very much centred on the the political desire for some of the European centres to be able to claim Euro clearing locally. And it is still quite possible that elements of Euro clearing will take place on in continental Europe. Um, as far as contingency plans, I mean, we know that, for example, Eurex have new arrangements in place uh, and incentives in place to increase their OTC business, which would, of course, be out of Frankfurt. We haven't heard of any specific plans for LCH, for example, to move for certainly the swaps business into ClearNet, for example. There's been some talk about maybe the Euro repos being centred in, in Frankfurt. That seems to be a, if you like, a negotiating chip for LCH. Happy for repo clear to, to be in, or Euro repo clearing to be uh, out of France, but looking to retain Euro swap clearing in London. But, you know, the, the clients are obviously looking at what that might mean and whether they need to either dust off their UX memberships or, or indeed start putting new business into the solutions that would be based in wherever the clearing ends up. As with all things, it's the market participants are not keen to bifurcate their books and the costs of that would ultimately be passed down to the end user. So the economic case is quite clear that it's preferable for as much of your clearing activity to be centered in one in one location. But of course, we know that the, these political considerations may trump these um, economic and market forces. Yes, the idea that positions could be simply moved over to EU CCPs is impractical. But in the event that the EU does deny the recognition of UK CCPs, there will be serious impacts to market risk, operational challenges, and we could see liquidity drying up. There's absolutely no market benefit, and the transfer of legacy portfolios from UK CCPs that are not recognised to EU CCPs will make the whole business much more expensive due to the extra collateral banks will have to hold, and less efficient due to the replication or and duplication of systems and data. 
Just talking on the Commission's proposals on EMIR 2, which covers non-EU CCPs, we welcome the European Parliament's intention to scale back on the powers that the Commission have granted the ECB. Basically, the ECB want additional supervisory reach over non-EU CCPs. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable assumption, but the way the Commission proposals are written at the moment, it sort of gives them the ECB total discretion. So we will welcome that the Parliament's actually scaling back on that and actually will factor in market stability and the market benefit of actually denying recognition of um, non-EU CCPs. Clearly, the location of EU clearing is one of the biggest Brexit issues for derivatives firms, and we're going to keep an eye on this development as the year progresses. Another big issue is the terms of a potential transition period after Brexit goes into effect. The EU has signalled it will consider a transitional arrangement that will likely last up until the end of 2020, but that any access to the single market is dependent upon continued freedom of movement. In January, Brexit Secretary David Davis signalled he was willing to accept the EU terms for the transition period, but he does still face a lot of resistance from within the Tory party over sovereignty claims, according to various press reports. Now, for financial firms preparing for Brexit, the idea of a transition period is crucial, and the longer the better to make sense of everything that's happening. It's so vital that Christian Lee says firms are not even considering the possibility of no transition deal. What firms are focusing on, according to Christian, is really working to minimise the impact on clients, although he says that that won't be easy. The priority is the ability to continue to service clients um, so and make it as uh, seamless and pain-free as possible for clients. But that's probably not going to be possible because the repapering that needs to happen, change of documentation, is inevitably going to have impacts on clients. And that in itself is is a huge logistical task, just having to consider the the mass movement of clients from one entity to, to another and legal and documentation consequences are very significant indeed. That is something that is clearly going to be a challenge for the market that we cover over the next couple of years. And we at DerivSource will continue to follow this story as it progresses. Thanks very much to both Christian Lee and Nadine Jado of Catalyst for sharing their insights with us today. Thanks for listening and join us next time. 